Welcome to the Zoe household. Our desire is to bring you to the consciousness of the God life that has been made available to everyone who believes the Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen to this powerful message by Pastor Ola Kiyosi, the resident pastor of the Zoe household Lagos. God bless you. I believe we've been blessed. And actually, you know, in all honesty, I, I think I've even seen the fruit of you being blessed by it as well. I think I, I, I visited the, the, the platform, the Spotify platform. I checked the back end, the analytics, those that have listened. You guys have over listened to Orthodoxy of the Gospel. It shocked me. And like Shefer Goshani, you know, but it's a good one. And also make it an habit, all right, to, to, Pay patronage to the doctrines of the house and how you do it is by listening to the messages over and over again. All right, so go back to Spotify, listen to it. So you'll be left out. I won't do much of you know recap today because I want to just go straight to it. Hallelujah! So today we're looking at what the Godhead or slash auto, um, divinity of Christ. Glory to God! So I'd just like to start with this. Listen, we're a product of whatever we listen to. All right, so is the gospel as well. The product of whatever we listen to. So last week I said something, you know, briefly teaching, and I said this. I said, sadly, in the body of Christ this day, if I were to start to ask, sorry, can you celebrate my pastor, Pastor Adedolakolawao? We love you, Pity. Thank you so much for what you do for us. All right, so I said this, you know, because last week they gave me 30 minutes, so I did not teach. I just sermonized for you guys. I sermonized. Sermonized means... I said everything I needed to say very fast. I didn't, I didn't say, yeah, read. First Sunday, we did more of teaching. We we're all looking into the Bible. All right. <laughs> Glory to God. And some people, they, they like sermonizing a lot. Because many of them, sermonizing, it's, well, it's easier for the minister and also easier to receive. You know, it's back to back. But someone is teaching, you're open to uh, this guy. You know, it's slow and it's dragging. But listen. I've come to learn the ones that are most profitable are the ones you take your time with. So if you do a test, test A, A, B testing, all right? So these people here, the only sermons they hear, is, you know, they only hear sermonized messages. And these people here, they hear, you know, slow and precise teachings. By the end of one year, you realize that these ones will have more fruits than these ones. It's just that they might not be proud, you know, and a, a major secret is this. Before you can say minister sermonize, it's because he has gone through slow teachings. All right? So, a sermonized message is a product of long studies. Things he had studied over and over and over again. All right? There's utterance too, but listen, utterance is guided by what you know many times. 90 times. 90% of the times. All right? Unless, you know, once in a while when the scripture just pop open in your, in your face. And the scripture that you never, you know, <laughs> you don't remember, just, you know, you just... Catch it in your spirit and, you know. But listen, I've come to realize, study makes it easier. So, I said this briefly last week, which was, in the body of Christ today, if you ask many people to really define their God, many of them cannot explain it. It's quite sad. So, how, how is there the divinity of Christ? Well, you know, they won't be able to explain. 
And that's because, one, many a times, it's not necessarily the church, but many a times, the church is to be blamed. Some churches don't teach this. The only gospel they preach resonates to either the poor or the sick. And because these messages are catchy, it's sweet to teach. I like to teach and people should respond. And I think every teacher would like it as well. But when you're teaching about many times, the gospel, you know, the, the basic things in Christ, you know, which are the core foundations, you find that most people don't react. But start to teach you about money. Start to teach you about, oh, the grace of God, you know, you know, you can walk in healing, you can walk in power, you see response. There are teachers that I've seen that they, they kind of, people are more, they respond to it much more than the others. But maybe we've commonized teachings like, you know, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you know. So, oh, glory, that's good. Awesome. Nice one. Night, a new way I can put it now, you know. We just polish up in our minds. But listen, many times, churches don't teach that. But it should be thought. But I'll tell you why. First Timothy chapter 2 verses 4. It says, you can write it down, First Timothy 2 verses 4. It says, the will of God is that all men be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. Alright? The will of God is that all men be what? So, you can read it as and. So, saved and. But if you do divide the scripture properly, you realize that there's no safety without coming to the knowledge of the truth. Because now, the word and there is the Greek word kai. The word and there is the Greek word kai. K-A-I. Please write it down if you don't know it. Alright? K-A-I. And what it, what it means, it's, it's, a, it's a conjoining word. It was a law used in the interpretation of the New Testament. It doesn't apply in the Old Testament, just in the New, New Testament. It's called the substan- substantive, chi substantive. T-S-K-S. T-S-K-S. The substantive, chi substantive. So, what this you know, principle does is that it's used to combine or it's used to bring about clarity to an initial word spoken about. So when you find it in between two pronouns, you know that the second one is a further explanation of the very, of the very first one. So, for instance, now it says, who will have all men to be what? Saved. Then it says, and come to the knowledge of the truth. So, the kai there, so what is you probably or what it should be replaced with is either which is that is um yeah this is actually that's coming to my mind right now which is or what be bold now if it shows that you you, you remember it's a good one all right be bold next time okay all right so which is that is all right so if I were to apply that here let's let's use which is all right or that is. So, who we have all men to be what? That is. So, if you don't come to the knowledge of the truth, you cannot be saved. And the truth preached must be complete and whole. Look at John chapter 1. Examples. I think verse 14. Tell me I'm right. John 1 verse 14. All right, I'm right. 
So are you there? Let's read. It says, And the word of God was made and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glorious of the holy begotten of the Father, full of grace and, full of grace, that is, full of grace, that is, or which is, full of grace, which is, full of grace, which is, grace is the truth being heard. So, many times, we've we've divided the gospel into grace and works. Grace and the law. The gospel is is neither or. It's the truth. And in that truth, alright, there's also the law in the truth. There's confinement in the truth. There's restriction in the truth. So the Bible will tell you you are saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. But the same Bible will not tell you, these two verses after, will not tell you that you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus Christ. In Christ Jesus, unto good works. So I'm saying that your works must show. It's weird. So what the Bible or what, what the message Jesus Christ declared to us brought is this. What should have been a medium to get was no longer a medium to get eternal life. It became the medium to get eternal life, but it didn't take away the requirement or the fruit of the eternal life. All right? So, oh, I should, oh, I'll leave the mic. Thank you so much. So, saved by grace doesn't remove the legalities of the gospel. Amen? Being saved by grace does not remove the what? The legalities of the gospel. Paul said, can I continue in sin so that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. That's a clear trans- that, Hey, Don't you think, you know, you now use the gospel or when you finally come to the light of the grace of God, unite that as a medium to continue in your sins and iniquities. Say, God forbid. It should never justify you. If you find anybody that comes to the point where they, they're not using that gospel to justify, they have, properly, they have either not properly heard the gospel, or they have heard it, and they have chosen just not to walk in it. And that's the dangerous part, that they've heard it and choose not to walk in it. That's what they call a reprobate mind. And if you study your Bible very well, whoever is a reprobate mind, God eventually uses them. Okay, I'm raising it, sorry. God eventually uses them as a vessel unto dishonor. I'm, I'm, I'm being real with you. What happened with what happened with this guy? What happened with Pharaoh? What happened with Pharaoh? Pharaoh was a vessel of dishonor. Why? Because I was like, ah, you know, you know, and God hardened his heart. Listen. Yes, you can say God hardened his heart. But did God really harden his heart? His heart was already hardened. This was the same guy that killed kids under two years old. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can't be a friend and be nice. You, you justified slavery. Making people work for you with peanuts. And that's a good guy. His heart was adding. The only thing I believe that happened there was that. <laughs> you know, 
It's like God knowing that I know will not let them go, but I don't want him to let them go yet. Still, still, you know, God was hiding his heart for like, wait, you know, let, let's get to the tents. Ojawari, you know, that kind of thing. Be wise, though. Amen. Let the fear of the Lord resonate in your heart. John chapter 17, verses 3. John 17, verse 3. John 17, verses 3. Let's see something. All right. Once you're ready, go. Let's read. One, two, ready, go. One else. He says, this is life eternal, that they might know the only true God. <laughs> and he said what? And Jesus. Now, the and is Kai, which is, who is the only true God? Who is the only true God? So, to have life eternal is that you know Jesus. And it's not just to know Jesus as Jesus alone. You must know the full context of this Jesus. That is God. So, when you evangelize, sadly, you've seen, I've seen Shege. I remember someone lady in this estate, Muibat, you know, she has a shop there. And I was preaching to her that how that Jesus is God. And she was already believing until a Christian came. A Christian. Say, no, why would we be saying that? Jesus is not God. Jesus is Jesus and, you know, a Christian. Odasheru. <laughs> listen. You know, it was giving the human reasons to question. You know, and listen, it's easier to teach a person that has, that has probably not been informed than a person that is properly informed. So I to bring questions like, you know, if he's God, then why, why was he praying to, to God? You know, all those questions. Ah. Bro, calm down. Don't harden in our hearts for that. And let our first receive. Then we can teach out the wise. So it's because the church has probably not done teachings like this. But we, listen, it's not hard to find seven keys or ten keys of prosperity. Truffles. But it's very hard to, to find teachings about the divinity of Jesus. Very rare. Check online. Very rare. But it should be thought. It should be pronounced. Because, listen, Jesus is not just a son of God. Jesus is God himself. The Bible says in John 1, in the beginning was the word. That word was with God. And it didn't end there. It says that word, it was God. That's a definitive statement. That this Jesus, this, this word you are saying, okay, maybe it's not, this word you are saying is actually God himself. Listen, for us to think that God cannot be in two different persons at the same time is to limit God in your understanding. You can never understand God with your brain alone. Your intellect will never be enough. He made this so he can't be bound by your reasoning. He can't be bound by it. He must be above. He must be unthinkable. He can only be believed upon. And I say, oh, foolish. But even the Bible, there are proofs to believe. In the same verse 14 of that John 1, it says, and the word was made flesh. 
and he dwelt amongst us. <laughs> who, who was the word? In the, Jesus, in the beginning, was with God, and he was, he was God. One of the most it's one of the most popular scriptures in the world, John 1, truffles. But many people don't understand the full context of it. And listen, Jesus Christ himself he spent basically a major part of his lifetime trying to prove this same thing as well. I'm not joking. Look at John 10. John 10 verses 24. We're going to read this together. Are you ready? I want you to either look at the screen, but if you can look at your Bibles, I would prefer you look at your Bibles. Thank you. Can we say thank you, Jesus? The Spirit of God is mighty in this place. Hallelujah. Are we there? Verse 24. Then came the Jews round about him, that's Jesus, and said unto him, How long dost thou make us doubt if thou be the Christ? Telling us plainly. So like, stop cutting the corners. Like, just go straight to the point I mean. Tell us who the Christ really is. Say it boldly that, oh yeah, it's you. You are the Christ. And look at his next response. He said, I told you. And just answer them. I told you. And you believe not the works that I do. In my father's name. They bear witness of me. Verse 26. But you, but you believe not. Because you are not my sheep. I said unto you, no, let's, verse 20, okay, 27. says, my sheep hear my voice, and they know them, and they follow me. 28. says, and I give unto them what? And they shall never pluck, perish, I mean, sorry. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hands. 29 says, my father which gave them to me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my hands. Verse 30. Once you ready to go. I and my father are. So Jesus what? So what he indirectly did was to answer their question about him being Christ. He didn't say I'm Christ too. But he's trying to tell them that, listen, I can't be Christ without me being one with God. So if you believe in, a, in, in, in Jesus as the Christ. Because Christ is not his son. Alright. Christ means the anointed one. You must believe that indeed is divinity. He's one with God. He's both a God and his man. And look at their response. They understood what he was saying. Verse 31. Once you ready, go. Let's read it. The Jews were. They understood what he was saying. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Next verse. And Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me for? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stoned thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, make it thyself. So they, they were like, how can you a man make it yourself a God? 
or God. You can't conceive God as a man. It's hard. That somebody created the whole universe and he now chose to take the form of the dust of the earth. Listen, God could have, of course, that you would expect that by the time you want to see God, you see God, oh, bring back. you see God with, you know, an apparel clothed with light. Oh, and I am God. I'm telling you, you expect something magnificent. But listen, he said, I use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. They expected a God, a Messiah that way, but it didn't come that way. Bible says, listen, Messiah, the Messiah they were expecting was a king, just in case you didn't know. If you're a king, you should have been born in the palace. Where was Jesus Christ born? That makes it hard to believe. You're born in the manger, you call yourself king. Ah! It must be a joke. Jesus was, God was expected to come with light, but he came in the least form expected in a man made of dust. And he says, here I am. I am the God. I'm your maker. Your creator. So listen, you'll be like, ah, why couldn't they conceive him? If you were there, you won't believe it. You would have stoned them too. And you, you generally have thought you were doing God a favor. How dare you mock my God? You my God. So the God I've been praying to day and night is not here looking at me. He's hungry. He's eating with me. He's sleeping with me. Are you crazy? I knew your father. I knew your siblings. And you're telling me you are God. Are you crazy? <laughs> you will join them to stone him. I promise you. Hallelujah. So what was unthinkable? Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, it says, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government upon the, of this world shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called. Wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God. The everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. So, there's a prophecy beyond, before time about the Messiah. And he says, unto us, a child is born. But he said, this child is born is a son given. He says, now the government of the world shall be upon his shoulder. And it didn't end there. He said, his name shall be called. You still wonderful. Oh, wow. That's a wonderful name, of course. Counselor, oh, yes, he must be wise. But he took it a a notch higher. He said, it shall be called the mighty God. This son shall be called what? How will a son be called? I like that. He didn't just say God. He said, the, the mighty God. And he, did, he still didn't stop there. He said, the everlasting father. A son being a father. Right there in the scripture, that this son, the Messiah, is to be called the mighty God and everlasting father. But when he came, he didn't look like it. 
their first thought was to stone him. It means you can't conceive it in your thoughts by, your, by logical reasoning that Jesus is God. You must believe him by his words. You must believe him by the words he has spoken. You must believe him by the signs. And it's so beautiful. Listen. That my Jesus is equally God and is equally man. Do you hear what I'm saying? That the Jesus I know, the Jesus we know, him being a man doesn't, didn't stop his ex- existence as a God. There's something that, that the, the theologians call the hypostatic state. It means the ability to be in two different forms at the same time equally. And that's what Jesus did. I can always look to him as a God. I can always look to him as Jesus, the Son of God. You know, look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5. There's an argument here. Are you there? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5. We read it a lot. So they'll say, For there's one God and one mediator between God and men. Who? Emphasis on the man. Now, the same writer in the same book got to a chapter three, chapter 3, verse 16. There's something, let me teach you a trick in the Bible. They call it the 3 and 16. I'm serious. The 316 rhymes in different places. John 316. For God so loved the world, I gave you his son. Um, 1 John 3, verse 16. For um, if I perceive we the love of God, that just as Christ, God gave, just as Christ gave his life, we also must give a life. Dead, dead, you know. Christ. Then now 1 Timothy 3, 316 as well. Look at what it says. It says, and without controversy. So it means it's a controversy. It means it's something to argue about. <laughs> it means the argument didn't start now. It had been. That guy is not, an, whatever it is say, trust me, they've said it before. There's no new thing under the sun, including arguments. Then he said, without controversy, says, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the world. Can you say it? Say God was manifest. God took upon flesh. Anytime I think about it, that my God took upon flesh, it, it, it does something in me like God, God took flesh upon himself. And if you add, why did he have to take upon you know, flesh upon himself? He's the only person that could have survived the death of the cross. He's the only person that could have died and without prayer, he resurrected again. The only person. And just in case you don't know it, listen. He had to be a man, to be a forerunner of all the things that would be possible in us and through us. So, for instance, he, he took upon flesh. 
became a man to die and to resurrect as a living proof that if a man could resurrect and never die again now these ones that believe in me when they die they will resurrect again so when you come across first corinthians chapter 15 verses 20 it says and christ being the first fruit of them that slept or them that have died in him christ being the first first fruit means the first of a kind if I plant, you know, cassava, whatever is my first harvest is what they call the first fruit. It means if I have a first fruit, then every other ones are good. Or let me paint it this way. I want to know when my food is done. What do I do? I take a taste, right? If the first one is cooked, doesn't that paint to me a picture that the rest are fully cooked? That's it. So Jesus Christ became the forerunner of all the limitless possibilities in a man. So now, Jesus, God coming as a man, through Jesus, so you can just know this to yourself. The difference between God, per se, you know, and Jesus Christ, is that one took upon flesh. But they are the same thing. So he's saying, God identified himself as a man here on earth, while he was still God here on earth. That's what he's trying to say. So, it could not even be phantomed that a man could be equal with God. Jesus Christ became the first example that it is possible that to as many that believe me, just as I am one with God, they also shall be one with God. So, the oneness of man and God was first seen through, through Christ Jesus. So, now we know it's possible and we're living examples. Not just that, if Jesus Christ, as a man, could be seated at the right-hand side of the Father, it means there's nobody that can disqualify me from taking my seat there as well. If a man is there, then I'm a man. Do you get what I'm saying? If a man is right there at the right-hand side of the Father, being bowed upon by the others, then I can be there too. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So without controversy, my Jesus is God. And in believing in him, the Bible says, I therefore receive life eternal. So if you don't receive this message with an open heart, I can still question your, food, your salvation. I'm serious. I can. Remember I read it earlier. It says this is life eternal. That they may know what? The true God, which is. So I will say this loud and clear. It's not enough to know Jesus as Jesus. You must know him as God. That's the saving power. That you have an high priest that that, that, that is touched by every feelings of our infirmities, if you could have done it, then I, I, I will overdo it. Say, I have an example in Jesus. I have an example in Jesus. Sufferings and afflictions. Sufferings and afflictions. 
you know, to answer questions like, you know, that he asked about if he's God, then why, then why, you know, why was he praying? We fully understand that he was equally good and he was equally, he was 100% man. So it means he had to act like a man even though he was a God. So you, don't, you should not only question why did Jesus Christ pray to God. You should question that if he was God, why did he eat? If he was God, why did he sleep? If he was God, why was his soul exceedingly sorrowful? Why? We don't have an eye priest that is not touched by the feelings of our infirmity. So he said, everything a man goes through, he had to go through it as well. Hunger, proof, he was hungry. Being tired, he was, he was tired as well. Being sorrowful, he said, me, myself, sorrow catch me, I be God. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? I've seen it. So listen, in being a foreigner, he became an example, a role model. If Jesus Christ was exceedingly, exceedingly sorrowful and his next response was prayer, then you have no excuse not to pray when you're exceedingly sorrowful. I'm being honest. No matter how heavy your heart is, go and pray. If they tell you tomorrow is your death sentence, Jesus Christ knew he was to die and he still prayed. Do you know what I'm saying? Sad, the sad reality is that now, Christians, the time we pray the least the most is when we're going through trials and afflictions. Bro, that's when you should pray. That's the time you need help. Listen, I know it's not hard. If all you can keep saying is to just play gospel music and stay there saying, God help me. God help me. It's not coming out, but just see it. You know, take a moment. Stay there. Where do you think you'll be empowered? Outside. Going outside will kill you the more. The only place of strength is there. In the presence of the Lord. That might be a word for someone here today. Go and pray. You lost money. Go and pray. You lost something. Go and pray. Stop moaning. Stop complaining. Complaining will never solve your problem. I'm, I'm being honest with you. They say the problem spoken about is half solved. It's not fully solved. It's half. <laughs> half solved means they can, you know, by chance, help you or they'll give you comfort. But this is fully solved. It was in prayer that strength came. That's a word for someone here. I'll Listen. Uh, I don't, there's no time to teach this anymore. So I'll just say this one. I think it's a word. Only just want them to really say it earlier. Listen. Going through trials is not a sign that God has left you. Wanted truth? Going through trials and tribulation is a proof that God is with you. Okay. <laughs> this teaching long. I don't take my time with this affliction. 
I will start what I won't finish. But, listen, listen. Was God with Job? Was God with Job? Did he face affliction? Was God with Jesus or was Jesus God? Did he face affliction? Jesus ran away <laughs> from stone. <laughs> ah! Uh, uh. What I would have done. Ah. Even think about the guy on the right hand side of the cross. I should come down, be. I'm like, to show power small, I feel come down small. <laughs> well, let's continue. But all, I'm all, all. You know what I'm saying? I will show you. You know those, you know those horror movies. You know, you know those horror movies. You know those horror movies. I just put him in a trance. Anyways, let, let's uh, <laughs> let me ask you a question. The guy will suffer in trance before he dies. <laughs> I'll show you that I'm in. I'm God. No, listen. <laughs> Now listen, listen. One of the one of the most humiliating and painful deaths. One of not the most painful, but death was being you know staying on the cross. Sometimes we're on the cross for days. The reason why just Joshua was one of the first prisoners that they actually pierced. They usually just break their bones and tie them to the cross. That's what they usually do: break their bones, make them bleed in some part of their body, and tie them to the cross. But they literally pierced his nails and they pierced the sight. So, if I were Jesus, I said, Don't worry. When they break your bone, you stay there 100 days. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Let me ask you another question Was God with Paul? I want to ask again Was God with Paul? Did he face his beat of affliction? Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. Prayer warrior go through things. Listen, praying and fasting doesn't chase away trials and afflictions. Even attract it. You listen. Now, now the, this, this is why you must hear the awesome message of the gospel. Because the gospel is not just to prepare you for good times, but also for bad times. So that is why, listen. Whenever Christians these days go through trials and tribulations, they doubt God. Check very well. Times I've counseled people. The times that I go to trials, that's when they doubt God. That's the time you should know that God did. Because you should have seen examples in the Bible of people that went through worse than you. But they still maintain the confession of the gospel. Were you crucified on, on the, on, upside down? Were your hands pierced? Were you put in all boiling oil? Were you bearded? Now listen, I'm giving you scenarios of how the disciples died. Tongue-speaking, fire-filled disciples that touched and handled Jesus in flesh. 
Yes, it means anointing day. Anointing is not, to, not only to call down fire. Anointing is to see death in the face and say, you know what? I've defeated you, but take this flesh. You can kill my body, but you can't kill my soul. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what truly makes you more than conquerors. Listen, do you know the believers, we don't fear death. We don't fear death. Now, this is not a joking matter. I'm being very honest with you. And if you look at the Bible very well, many times when Paul was describing the dead, he said those that have slept in Christ. Why? <laughs> he said, John chapter 5 verse 24, he said, Very, verily I say unto you, whosoever heareth my word and believes on him that sent me, said he has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. The Greek word of the condemnation there is crisis. Crisis means judgment. So, let me read again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever heareth my word and believes on him that sent me, has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to what? Death is a passing, a transition into glory. Now, listen, it makes no sense. Because people are dying and say we're not dying. But that's the gospel. The gospel is that it's the flesh you killed, it didn't kill my soul. I'm alive in God. I'm at the right hand side of the Father in heavenly places. Stephen didn't call down fire, I hope you know. You would have thought that him seeing Jesus, the next thing that would have happened was a miraculous getaway. Think about it. God help me, God help me. They are stoning me for preaching your gospel. And you see Jesus seated above. What you would have thought, oh, thank God, you will save me now. Maybe teleportation. But Jesus Christ approved the death. Say yes, die in my name. Kai. This Jesus. Jesus said, go through it. The prayers of the Lord was to endorse the affliction. He says, yes, my son, I'm proud of you. Go through it. We don't need Christians that at every slide of at every slight appearance of trouble, they are doubting God. You should not be like that. Small thing. Oh, oh God, why are you failing? God is not failing you. He didn't promise you the job initially. He didn't promise you your physical health initially. He didn't promise you good living and finances initially. If you think that's what you only get in God, why didn't Paul get a good home? Why didn't he? You know, live to see his grandkids and great-grandkids. Do you think that what God promised you? What God promised you was life eternal. Yeah. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you. That's in John chapter 8. He said, whosoever shall hearken up to, unto my say, said, shall never see death. Jesus said, anybody that hearkens to my sin, he said, shall never see death. Then the Jews said unto him, now we know that you have a devil. Check. That's John 8, verse 15. Now this 52. He said, now we know you have a devil. He said, Abraham died. And the prophets too. And you are telling us that if we listen to you, we would never taste, taste death. But Joshua was not talking about a physical death. He was saying this is not death. 
there's death. This is no death. So, you know, you know when, it, when you see toy and you see the real deal, you're like, and people are hyping the toy like, oh, they've seen it all. They're like, ah, oh, this is not it. There's something more. Man perceives death to be when the flesh dies. God says that is not death. The death is to not be with God forever. He says that man shall never see it. That's the promise. Very, very, very shown to you. If you ask it to my word, you will never see death. What death is he talking about there? Because the disciples died. So what death? What's the death that they will not see? They died now. So if I say you will not see death, what's the death? They, even you died. Do you know what I'm saying? So what's the death we are talking about here? Is that, listen, I know and I know that by the time, for me, because I believe in Jesus Christ, I will not see death. Not the death of the flesh. But at the moment my flesh sleeps, I will transition into glory and be with my father. So, I do not face judgment. If I were to face judgment, I would have been found guilty. That's what he says. So, we are past, we don't, we, we, we shall not come into judgment, but from death we go to life. Life is a good thing. That's the life he promised. I've come that he may have life and have it more abundantly. He said, I've come and I've prepared a place for you. That's what he's saying. Life. Death is not the end of the believer. Death is the beginning of our faith. Do you hear what I'm saying? Death is not the end of the believer. Death is the beginning of a new journey. It's the beginning of our faith. It's the proof. This is what, this is what Christ came for. Holy Spirit help me. This is what he came for. So the people that received the promise first, they all died physically in the flesh. But there was something about them. They died with joy. They did not fear death. Paul was writing in prison. And he was saying, I, Paul, a born servant of God. He's just saying, I'm proud to be a born servant of God. In prison. He was going, listen. He was going through affliction. Ah, and he did it with joy. With joy. Listen, it was a shameful thing to be a Christian in those days. You know the truth? If you were in those times, it would have been so much harder to receive the gospel then than now. What makes it easy for you to receive the gospel these days that one, it has been popularly accepted, one. Two, you don't have to die for believing. Then to believe, you have to die. That's what they were preaching. Believe in a Messiah who has died for your sins. Now you don't have to die again. But you still die in the flesh. So you're asking me to trust you blindly even with my physical life. Do you get what I'm saying? Who is your Messiah? Who is the deliverer? It was a man and he was even killed. He didn't just, he was not just killed in, the, in, in a supreme or a nice way. One of the most humiliating deaths. That was how he was killed. Publicly. And that's the person you want me to believe in. And that's deity. That's God. 
that God was able to withstand men nailing him, his creation nailing him to the cross. Which kind of God withstands such an humiliating thing? Focus. Which God withstand to be humiliated by his creation? And you're telling him to believe a God that died like a man on the cross. So it's hard to believe. Now I'll tell you, now we believe he shall never die. I shall never die, but your kids are dying. So what, what, what death are you talking about that will not die? Saying the second death. Oh, there's a second death. How do you know? Jesus told me. Jesus told me. He said, we were hacking onto his words. He said, what? I would never see death. You never see death? Yeah. That's why everybody, everybody's dying now. He said, yes. Okay. I believe. Now you go and preach that same gospel. Maybe your first message, your first ever evangelism, they already arrested you and put you in jail. Maybe they didn't even kill you. Let me ask you a question. In prison, you most likely want to deny the faith and say, you know what, I'm no more a Christian. This guy's in prison. They didn't say, God, why, why are you being unfair to me? I'm in prison. I, all I did was to preach your name. I, I, I gave my tithe. I sold my property to the poor. I gave to the church. But why am I going through this pain and affliction? And God is saying, my beloved son, go through it. Say, I'm pleased with you. It still doesn't make sense. God stood up. Jesus stood up when they were stoning Stephen. Not to save him, but to approve his deaths. And at every slight trials and situations, we doubt the existence of God. Listen, trials and tribulation is a proof that God exists. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Guess what? While he was fasting, the devil came. Divinity in fast, in strength and glory. The devil came. The only thing that kept and preserved Jesus was the word he spoke. People think that the devil is scared of God's presence. He's not. The devil is not scared of God's presence. Look at Job. Job 1.6. He says, <laughs> Job 1.6 says, the sons of God were gathered before God. They were gathered in the presence of the Lord. And the devil came to <laughs> The devil came to the presence of God. He says, oh, at the presence of God, mountains move. Well, there's a context with yes. But they move because in his presence, there's a resounding word. For instance, in the beginning, listen, listen, get this. In the beginning and the creation of the heavens and the earth, what made the presence of the Lord have an impact was that the presence came with a word. In the beginning, the spirit of the Lord over the surface of the earth. And the earth was dark, was void and without form. So it means the presence didn't change the situation. Do you get what I'm saying? His presence did not change the situation. What changed the situation? The word. And God said, let there be. In your trials, in your sufferings, in your affliction, your confession should be. Lord, I believe in you. That I will not see deaths. They may take my flesh, my body, but I know it's a transition into glory for me to be seated with you at the right hand side of the Father. Listen, somebody was confused about death. Paul was writing to the Philippian church and he said, I am confused. Confusion, they worry me. Why are you confused? He said, either to stay and to be with you or to die 
and be with the Lord. He says, now that death is far better. How is death far better? There's a renewing, there had been a renewing and re-engineering of the mind by the gospel. But, listen, Christians should not fear death. Because we know our real life is not in the flesh. It's with God. So I prayed for my mom. She didn't get healed. And you know, that does not mean God is not real. Our life is secured. The sickness took the flesh, but it didn't take her spirit. Some people will tell you, oh, I prayed for my wife, and she still died. I don't believe God again. And you wonder, because your wife died, you don't believe in the existence of a God. What do you want those in the early church to say? You are in, you are in a nation where you can, we can boldly gather. But there was once a time in the early church, every time you gathered, your life was at stake. Say, don't go and preach the name of Jesus anymore. If you do, we will arrest you again. For every time you preached, your life was at stake. At stake. Imagine losing your family member and you're still preaching the gospel. What did you lose that I can't preach the gospel again? What did you lose? That you are saying God is not just to you anymore. What are you going through? And you are saying, ah, God is unfaithful to you. Are you joking? You have the spirit of God on your inside. You still pray in tongues whenever you want to. You still, you still read and understand his word. You have a predestined hand to be with him forever in heavenly places. And you doubt the existence of God. So I'll say it again. The presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. Is not the absence of trials and tribulations. The presence of the Lord is the guarantee that in spite of, in spite of the trials and tribulations, I will overcome. You know what I said? The presence of the Lord is, a, is the conviction you hold on to that in spite of these trials and tribulations, I will overcome. I don't know the gospel you have heard before, but this is the gospel of my Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus, listen, ah, oh, Caro Semblendo Semblahai. Jesus, think that was, which part was it? Oh God, that's about the scripture. I think it's in Matthew. John 16. John 16, verse 1 to 4. Look at what Jesus said. John 16, verse 1 to 4. He says, These things have I spoken to you, that you should not be offended, but you should put, they shall, they shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, times will come that whosoever I kill at you will think that they have done God's service. Verse 3, it says, And these things will they do unto you, because they had not known God, the Father, nor me. It says, But these things have I told you, that when the time will come, you remember that I told you. Joshua was preparing them of what will happen. He said, They would kick you out of the temples and snuggle because of me. 
Why is that never preached? So now, the repercussion of it not being thought is this. Now, when your small circles, your friends don't accept you because of your faith, you now want to compromise and say, ah, no, I won't hold on to the faith. But listen, when those your small circles, those friends reject you for standing strong in the gospel, you should rejoice. You should be excited. Fine, my hands are not pierced. But guess what? Because I believe in Jesus Christ, somebody rejected me. Jesus Christ told me that they will reject me for his sake. If they rejected Jesus Christ, I'm not bigger than him. They will reject me to some way. So you evangelize and somebody says no. And you feel bad. You should be excited. Listen, listen, listen. One of the earliest teachings of Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. Beatitude means the blessings. <laughs> the blessings of God. Let's look at it. Beatitude means what? The blessings. So he's saying that for these things you are blessed to go through it. <laughs> look at Matthew 5, right? We'll see something there now. Matthew 5. Verse 4. Verse 4 says what? Blessed are days that what? That mourn, for they shall be what? Is it stop there now? Verse 10. Go to verse 10. Verse 10. Verse 10. It says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. How am I blessed for being persecuted? Ah, it, there's a blessing in persecution. There's a blessing in trials and affliction. It says, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It said, verse 11 says, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Verse 12, what did he say? He said, verse 12. Verse 12, what did he say? Rejoice! Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted did the prophet which were before you. He said there's nothing new. So listen. Giving your life to Christ or receiving Christ into your life is no guarantee of wealth, but it's a guarantee of death. It's a guarantee of rejection. So you don't just do altar call of, oh, if you, if you give a life to, if you receive Christ into your life now, all things will be well with you. You should tell them the terms and conditions. If you give your life to Christ now, just as you are receiving his life, you also ought to lay down your lives for others. You must preach that message. It must be complete. Don't just tell them, now that you give your life to Christ, things will work together for your good. You know, all this will happen to you. Tell them that, ah, there are challenges. Oh. Now that you give your life to Christ, you receive Christ in your life, there are things you will never, or never ever be able to do again. You can't go to clubbing. You can't go to any out party. You can't just drink anyhow. You must pick, the, you must draw the lines. There's moderacy. Now, the chances of making money is now limited. You can't do yahoo yahoo. You can't do illegal dealings. You can't be manipulative. You must be straightforward and honest and hardworking. We must teach all these things. They sound like disadvantages. That's why they don't preach it. Because who wants to hear, I don't going to do this anymore. Just come, you know. And in the, in the presence of wanting to have crowds, we just say, come as you are. Come, listen. Come as you are, but listen, receive sense. Don't stay as you are. One year in the faith, two years in the faith, we're still begging you to dress moderately. 
and when we talk about it, you say we are, we are saying too much. Are you joking? Two years in the faith, we are still begging you not to go to ungodly un, un, un places. And you are saying we are doing too much. Too much what? So people receive this life you received and you are preaching the gospel. You are using to go to club to dance. You don't live for yourself. You live for God. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet no high. The Christ I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God that died for me. It means it determines the terms and conditions of how I live, not me. I'm dead to myself. Now, everything about, or about me now is not about what I want. It's about what he wants. God, do you want me to do this? Yes, I do it. Oh, there might be persecutions. Do it. The only thing that should matter to you the most is God first. Listen, being a Christian five years in the faith and you're still the most selfish individual there is. Are you joking? The proof of growth as well is selflessness. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Somebody literally died for you and you think it's a joke. Somebody lost his life and you think it's a joke. Somebody could have reigned here on earth as a king and could be praised. And he said, no. I have to ascend so that you also will be like me. And you think it's a joke. Christ did not ascend so that he can be a mere man. He said, it is profitable for you that I ascend, not for him. You, you, you. Listen, when you understand the gravity of, what that, of all that was done for you on the cross, listen, you cannot live an ordinary life again. Are you joking? Now, when you tell a person to sit up straight and do right in Christ, they say, I'm not a pastor. Are you joking? Is he a pastor that lives right? Every believer is called to the same calling of living right. Living unto God. Pastor? Now, any, now when you start acting self-righteous, now your friends also call you pastors. Because they think it's only pastors, pastors that have to do right. Listen, stop, stop in your ignorance defaming the name of Christ. When you are a Christian, it means you live right. You stand sure. They call you a pastor. Said, "I'm, I'm just a Christian. Just a Christian doing something right." No, don't call me pastor. Eh? They call you pastor. Uncle. They didn't call you. They didn't call you X-rated name. They didn't call you a drunkard. They didn't. They called you a pastor. Now they call you ah, I'm a Jesus pastor, and you and you are feeling bad. Don't call me pastor. I'm not a pastor. Come on, there are better things to argue about. They say if they call you pastor, say thank you. It's just I'm doing something right. Man of God, oh, I'm a man of God, yes. How do you know? What, what gave me off? Was it how I walked? Was it how I talked? Something was give it up that you're a man of God, a woman of God. Something, something about you. Listen, guys, this is no joke. Something about you must always tell that you're a Christian. Somebody should not spend one hour talking with you and not know that you're a Christian. If that happens, you've compromised. Because there's hardly anything to talk about for one hour and you won't have to mention your faith. You met somebody now, they're going to a great convention and you tell them, ah, sorry, I can't talk about things like that. The Bible said, I should be an example unto the Christians in words and in conversation. My words must represent Christ. My conversations must represent Christ. There are some gist I run away from. There are some people I don't follow on social media. I don't hate you. 
But I can't be seeing you constantly. And my mind remains the same. There are some comedy skits I don't watch again. I used to be a fan of some particular people's comedy skits. But that's that. These guys, moments after watching it, rubbish thought comes to my mind. Thank God, YouTube makes it easier. Not interested. I, I don't see their post again. You, uh, there's little in what you can do as a believer. But listen, there's an exceeding and eternal weight of glory that awaits you. I don't know the gospel you have heard before, but this is the gospel of my Lord Jesus. That now you're a dead man living. Say, I'm a dead man living. I'm a dead man living. Let's rise up on our feet. I'm a dead man living. Listen, there's a sacred presence in this place. I'm going to give you just five minutes. You're going to restore, you're going to, you're going to ask God for help to re- return your heart back to him. To bring about the love and favor you used to have for him again. To restore. Listen. Admit, Lord, I know I've not lived right. Now help me live right in honor of your name. First Timothy 4, he says, be an example to the Christians in words, in conversation, in charity, in spirits. Everything about you is that in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Purity, purity is there. This is the gospel. This is the gospel of my Lord Jesus. Ask for help. That your heart is returned unto the Lord. That you'd only long after the things he longs for. And you'd only seek after the things he seeks for. Stop trying to acquire wealth. Stop trying to acquire virtue. Earthly praises of men. Sit down. Your life is not about men. It's not about the substances. It's about the God that you serve. It's about the God that you serve. Use me how you want to use me. That should be the confession of your mouth. Use me, Lord. I am yours. I know you are mine, so I'm safe. But I want it to be evident that I am yours. That I will only do the things that are pleasing unto you. That I would only do the things that are pleasing unto you. Kai. Kai, 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 Kai. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you for listening. We know you have been equipped, changed, and transformed by the word. If you have any questions or inquiries, please reach out to us on Instagram at the Zoe Household Lagos or via mail zoehousehold at gmail.com. God bless you.